season takes us through Genesis, so we're in Genesis 9, 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And I will bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds... I will see it and I remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on earth. Then we're back to the first chapter of Mark again. In the ninth through the fifteenth verses, we hear Jesus being thrown out into the wilderness. Now remember that Mark is the text that is only concerned with you getting the basic information. You'll get the storyline, but this is not the version of the story where Jesus and Satan talk back and forth and all kinds of things happen. This is, boom, he went to the desert, boom, he came back again. So hold on to this for a minute. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. 
Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has, been, has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to talk today a little bit about wilderness. You see that in this text, Jesus is baptized, the skies open up, and God speaks and says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. In the other text we heard the other day, God also said, Listen to him. Remember that. But in this text, God says, with whom I am well pleased. And then we hear, and immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And of course, 40 days and 40 nights is supposed to remind us of something. 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. Noah was in an ark. And we saw it today that that resulted in God making a covenant between God and all flesh, that all flesh would never again be destroyed by flood. Forty days and forty nights, perhaps more importantly, not days, not nights, but forty years. The Israelites wandered in the desert as a punishment from God until they could learn to act like and be a community of faith and live as the children of God. So here now Jesus is immediately sent out into the desert to learn what God has in store for him. What can you possibly learn in a desert? I mean, the kids told you. The desert, it's hot in the day. It's cold in the night. It's got lizards in it. There are snakes there. Not much plants, not much vegetation, not much food or water or entertainment for human creatures that might plop themselves down in the middle of the desert like Jesus did. Desert doesn't have much to offer. Really, if truth be told, a desert is not a place where most of us want to go. And yet we find our way there. I want to point out to you something that the first, if you spell it out, the first syllable of wilderness is wild. And sometimes wilderness results in a wild journey. Noah and his family on the ark never thought that their wild journey would result 
maybe even in surviving, but certainly not in, in being part of a covenant with God that would show the world that they were God's children. The Israelites never thought that the 40, day, 40 years they spent in the desert would result that wild journey in something like them having a, go, a covenant with God where God would give them land and a place to live and comfort and security. Jesus is immediately sent out by the Spirit into the desert for what? There's nothing in the desert. You take a wild journey into the desert that might result in you not coming back. And yet Jesus comes back and immediately, immediately enters into his ministry in Galilee. Whatever happened in the desert was so good that Jesus was ready to start his ministry. So think for me, think with me for a minute about desert and wilderness. Wilderness, those wild journeys. How do we get into a wilderness? Well, in Jesus' case, he was propelled into it by the Spirit. In the case of the Israelites, they were escaping something. They were running. They were running away. If we think today, though, about wilderness in a metaphorical sense, in the sense that wilderness is that vast array of emptiness, angst, Depression, anxiety, codependency, financial trouble, marital problems. All of that stuff that we as human beings encounter, if that's our wilderness. How do we get there? Oftentimes it's self-imposed. It's something we do to ourselves. The last time I was very depressed, and I don't make a secret about the fact that I fight with depression all the time. I was laying on my couch binge-watching Grey's Anatomy. And I couldn't get off the couch. I did that. Now, I will grant to you that there are chemicals in my brain that make me do that, and there are things happening in my life that send me to that wilderness. But I I do it. I could have gotten off of that couch, but I didn't until Beth Ann Dagg came charging into my house. By the way, if you're in the wilderness, lock your doors. Beth Ann came charging into my house and said, get up. 
We're going to the doctor. You're going to get better. You can't watch Grey's Anatomy anymore. Oftentimes, when we're in the desert, we have put ourselves there. And then we get there, and we're in this vast space where there's nothing, and we don't know what to do. But here's the thing to remember. No matter where we are, we are never alone. Noah and Mrs. Noah complained like crazy for 40 days and 40 nights while they were in a boat with a bunch of stinky animals. Can you imagine being locked up in a boat? I mean, like, yuck. Let us out of here, God. And they landed and they still had to wait more. Let us out of here. We're We're stuck with the animals. And yet something good happened. The Israelites wandered in the desert. They complained, send us back to where we knew God was. The Egyptians had idols. We could see God there. And they had food. They had the flesh pots. Flesh pots were kind of gross, by the way. That was where they took any meat they could find and threw it in a pot and ate out of it. But at least they knew that they were protected, that they were taken care of, that they were safe, that they were not in a wilderness, surrounded by emptiness and nothing. We don't see Jesus complain in this text, but we do see he was not alone. He had wild beasts around him, which were probably not a comfort. They were probably a threat. When people were punished from ancient cities in Jesus' day, they would throw them outside the city walls because then they would be devoured by the beasts. Jesus saw beasts, but Jesus also had angels to attend to him. Angels like Beth and Deg charging through his door and saying, Come on, get out of bed. We're going. But the other thing that they all had in common was that God was with them, directing their path in every step, in every way that they went as they went along in this wild journey of wilderness. When I was in college, I had a friend who had a poem taped up on her wall, and I read it and I said, well, I don't, I don't believe that because it says you are never alone. So I, I spend plenty of time in my life alone, and I don't like it. And she said to me, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, sure. Well, then how can you say you're alone? It shamed me into realizing, no, we are never alone. 
if we have a true relationship with God. That's why Noah and his family survived an ark. That's why the Israelites survived the desert for 40 years for a whole generation. That's why Jesus lived through his desert experience. Because none of them were ever alone, not for one second. The wild journeys that we go on, God goes with us. Sometimes God carries us. Sometimes God weeps with us. Sometimes God dances with us. I dance with God a lot. Sometimes God just merely walks with us. But don't you want Jesus to walk with you? You want to sing it again? Oh, she's awakened. <laughs> Just in time for you to play the handbells. Woo! Jesus knew that God was with him. He did not need to worry about no food and no water and no entertainment and the vast emptiness of the wilderness because God was with him in every step, in every way. Just as God is with you and with me in every step, in every way. And what we must do is remember that and be thankful for it. Even in times when it feels like you can't reach out and touch God, God is still there. We have just three stories from Scripture to prove that to us. But if you look around at the friends around you, they can tell you about times when they've gone through the wilderness and God has been there. That is who God is. The God who's always present. Amen.